Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. Good morning. Morning. You all sound very enthused. Morning. Better. Great. God calls us to stand. God calls us to stand. Did you know that this morning? As you came here, God calls you to stand. In a broken, hurting, sinful world, in an incredible, adventurous, entrepreneurial, amazing world, God calls us to stand with Christ and in Christ. And that's what we've been exploring as part of this stand series these past two weeks. Week one, we've looked at our identity. God calls us to stand knowing who we are, knowing that we are his, that we are his children. And then our purpose, God calls us to stand knowing what we are for. What has he called us to? What gifts, what skills, what what, um, adventure is he giving to your life so that you might be a force for good in your city, in your community, in your family, in your world. God calls us to stand. And this week, we are looking at, God calls us to stand knowing what we're up against, knowing our opposition. And that's really where we're going this morning, our opposition. Because if you have grasped, even like, we come down here, like yay much, like a centimeter more, of your identity and purpose these last two weeks. Let me absolutely 100% guarantee you that your opposition will have increased because these things that God teaches us about who we are and what we're for, they're radical. They're life-changing. They could utterly turn your world upside down. And the reality is that God has an enemy whose name is Satan And his purpose is to oppose, distort, and disrupt everything that God wants. So everything of you that you have grown in the last two weeks, knowing that I am a child of God, that God has me for this people group, this particular context, that in this way this week he wants to use me, Satan will oppose. And so it is out of our identity and walking in our purpose that we must take our stand against our opposition. And so I want to dive straight into Ephesians 6 this morning. So if you have your Bible with you, it would be brilliant if you could open it. If not, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 13, I'm going to read. Finally... Finally, by which Paul means I'm wrapping up the entire book that I've written to you, Ephesian Church. So finally, with all of this in mind, all that's gone before, all of the identity, all of the purpose that I've spoken to you about, you are holy and blameless in my sight, chapter one. You are children of light, chapter four. Finally, but then also finally, looking forward to what is to come, henceforward, the Greek kind of implies. So for the foreseeable future, this is your reality. Finally, this is how I want you to be. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Let me just pray for us as we come around God's word together this morning. Father, we thank you that you don't want us to be naive or ignorant about the things that we face as we wait for your return, as we wait for your perfect justice, your perfect peace on this earth. Thank you that you give us a framework and understanding of our opposition because it is yours, Father. And we thank you that you do not leave us alone in that. And so we pray, Lord, this morning that you would come and you would speak, you would encourage us, you would equip us to take our stand together and individually. Being the people you've called us to be and doing the things you've called us to do. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to picture yourself for a minute, maybe might be helpful to close your eyes, on a drab and cold November morning. I'd like you to picture yourself on the beach, somewhere in the Mediterranean. The sun, yes, this is why you might need to close your eyes. The sunshine (laughs) is raining down. You're lying there. It's, you know, that warm feeling you get when you're sunbathing and you're just feeling utterly gorgeous in the sunshine. Maybe someone has brought you you know, some kind of pina colada. You're sat there by the beach. You're just great. And you casually lift your head up and look towards the ocean. And there it is, this beautiful, beautiful blue expanse of sea. And it's utterly calm and still. Well, let me just kill that analogy for you. Underneath the blue perfect sea, there are a lot of plants, a lot of seaweed, maybe lots of fish, potentially even some monsters that lurk in the sea, as my dad used to tell me when I was growing up. Sharks. Also incredibly beautiful things like coral. And you know how fish catch the light in the sun, in the sea. This is a little bit like our analogy here. Beneath the surface, there is an all-out spiritual war going on. Things are not as they seem. We live in the reality of two kingdoms. There is a battle of two kingdoms right now going on. I don't know how many of you were aware of that when you made your way here this morning, but we are living right now in a battle of two kingdoms. And if you have grown up in the church, perhaps this doesn't come as too much of a surprise. You've got some ideas about this. Well, God, he's good. He's like doing good things. And the devil, well, yeah, he's definitely bad. I think I've got this one down, Hannah. Thanks very much. But if, if you have not grown up in the church or, or around Christians, then this is beginning to sound like maybe I have lost my marbles. Because the devil, and I think for a lot of my friends this is true, the devil is a kind of a horned creature with a red face that comes out in children's Halloween costumes at the end of October. 
And that's pretty much it. Or maybe if you've actually thought about it a little bit, if you're naturally more reflective, then you do see evil in the world. But actually attributing that evil to a personal supernatural being of great darkness, well, that's, that's just a little far-fetched. But scripture, this book, tells us that God has an enemy. And we call him Satan or the devil. And it's his chief priority to undermine the work of Jesus in the world. So everything God wants, the devil wants the opposite. He has this inbuilt hostility to the plans and the purposes of God. And we see this all the way through the New Testament, if I can flesh it out for you for a minute. So Jesus comes and he's anointed the spirit and baptized by John, goes out into the desert. What does the devil do? He comes and tempts him throw yourself off this mountain, or I'll give you everything, I'll, I'll give you this world, because that's, that's the devil's dominion authority, is this world that we are in. He sows doubt in the mind of the disciples. Peter, do you remember when Jesus had to say to him, get behind me, Satan, what's going on there? That, that's the work of the devil, distorting, disrupting the truth of God in Peter's life. And then in the early church, the book of Acts, I mean, it's crazy, crazy. They had a very real experience of the demonic opposing the building of the kingdom of God. And Carl um, writes about this in his book, Stand. He says, the battle is a battle for people's hearts, minds, and souls. And for the hearts, minds, and souls of our city and of our nation, and of our world, which is basically Carl saying, this is serious, guys. (laughs) I mean, the devil is really serious about this. So does God want a fairer and more just society? Absolutely. Will Satan seek to disrupt, corrupt it? You can count on it. Has God broken through the walls dividing us racially, relationally, socially, politically? Absolutely. Will Satan be seeking to build those walls up again as God brings them down? Yeah. And so I think we just need to be aware that Satan, he has a strategy. So I've got three areas where I think Satan has a strategy so that we are not naive or ignorant about these things so that we can take our stand in full awareness of of what he's seeking to do. Is that cool? Is that all right? You're all with me? So before you all get a bit gloom and doom, I'm not going to talk about Satan all morning. There is some good news that I am heading towards, but for the minute, let's look at this. Satan has a strategy. Satan undermines God's plans and purposes. So everything God wants, he wants the opposite. God wants you to know joy in your salvation this morning. Did you know that? You come to gather with God's people. He wants to shower you with his love so that you are full to the brim overflowing with the joy of him that he has saved you, that he loves you. He wants this to effervesce like one of those vitamin C energy tablets it out of you. That's, that's his best for you. So Satan wants to bring despair, doubt, disrupt and distort, undermine God's plans and purposes for your life. Any thinking that doesn't line up with the kingdom of God, 
will oppose the kingdom of God in you, will oppose the life of God in you. So Satan undermines. Satan accuses. We see this in John 8. Jesus says, he is a liar and the father of lies. He will, he's so cunning. He will speak the most ridiculous nonsense and I will believe it. I mean, God's spoken incredible truth over my life. But there are times when I can sit there in in my self-pity and say, God doesn't love me. God loves everyone else. There's enough love for everyone else, but I just get the dregs. I get the scraps. That is an absolute lie. Let's call it for what it is. It's a lie. Satan accuses God's people. Perhaps for you, it's some things like your doubts disqualify you. Your past disqualifies you. Your situation, your context, the other things you've gotten in your life, they disqualify you. God doesn't have a best for you anymore. You've messed up far too much for God to be able to do anything with your life. You just need to get on with it. In fact, you should probably be looking out for number one because God certainly isn't going to. That, that is a lie. That is sown by the liar and the father of lies. That is not the truth of your loving Father God who says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've removed your sins from you. That's not the gentleness and the grace of your Father. Satan's accusation is the accusation that leads to death. Because I think we need to be careful here because Holy Spirit over here, he, he will bring conviction of our sin and of the things that are wrong, but it's the conviction that leads to repentance, that leads to life, that leads us into freedom and, and forgiveness. Yes, I'm sinful, I mess stuff up, I, I do wrong things, but when I come to Father God because of Jesus, I have full forgiveness and I can walk into freedom. That's conviction, that's the work of Holy Spirit. Over here, this is the work of accusation that leads to death, that leads to you sitting in shame and in guilt, never able to move on with the things that God has given you or spoken to you about. So Satan undermines, Satan accuses, Satan steals God's words and God's intention. And those of us who um, have walked with people who've been on a journey of coming to faith, maybe through Alpha, maybe in your community, you'll know some of the like, it's like brick hitting brick sometimes. As people come to faith, it's like there's a battle going on for their attention. And, and Jesus, in fact, said that this would happen. Luke 8, verse 12, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And you know, Satan is tricksy. That, um, that word schemes in verse 11, just have a look at that. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's like kind of deliberate cunning. It's like um, Satan doesn't pl- play by a Geneva Convention of Warfare. He honestly, he just doesn't care. He'll do anything. He really does not care. And so And it's definitely been my experience that Satan is very happy to jump on the back of any sinfulness, any vulnerability, any weakness in you. 
in order to disrupt and undermine the work and the plans and purposes of God in your life. But it's not just personal opposition, because all of that's quite personal, isn't it? I've talked about myself, and you know, maybe even as I've been speaking, it's like a light bulb for you, like, oh my goodness, that, that makes sense of these things that I've been hearing, these lies, goodness, they're lies that I've been receiving. Um, it's not just personal opposition, it's actually corporate as well. And there is a corporate opposition against the church. Satan hates the church because it's the body of Christ on earth, doing the ministry of Christ on earth. And let me tell you, if we as a church are really going to run after this vision that we believe that God's giving us to be a church planting movement in the nation and beginning to believe some of the bigger things that we think God's calling us to hope for, goodness me, we are going to face a corporate opposition, like just 100% guaranteed. And I was asking God what some of this might look like because I think it's important for us to be aware. And I think Holy Spirit does reveal those things so that we can stand and be prepared against them. I think opposition, corporate, will look like tarnishing our reputation. It's basically our identity as a church. Are you really the people of God? Has he really saved you? Are you really about what you're about? Undermining our leadership. That's, a, that's an absolute classic We see that all the way throughout scripture and throughout history. Easiest way to bring a church to its knees, undermine their leadership. Accuse our agenda. Who are you doing this for? Is it really Jesus at the heart? Is it really for Jesus? Are you sure? Steal our joy. Like, we should be one of the most joyful people in the city. We have such good news. Stealing our joy. And dismantling and disrupting our prayer life, because I think that's where our real power comes from as we stand against opposition, and I'll come on to that in a minute. So it's not just corporate opposition of our church, it's also of our world. The rulers and authorities in verse 11 that Paul writes about, enemies of God, these are actual This is what scripture tells us. This is the Greek that's used. They're actual, physical, supernatural beings of incredible darkness. And they can use traditions and human structures, social, political structures for ill, for bad. Just as God over here can use them for good, so Satan can use them for bad. And we only really have to look at something like ISIS in the Middle East to see the reality of that, right? I mean, I look at some of the news coming out of the Middle East and I'm like, my goodness, this is evil. Some of the things that are being perpetrated out there, they are, they are birthed in the mind of hell. That's, that's the reality of our corporate opposition to God's peace, God's reconciliation in the world. But the good news, I've got there, finally, you're all probably sat there thinking, this is awful. The good news is that while Satan has a strategy, do you know Holy Spirit over here has a strategy too? And Holy Spirit is an absolute genius. I mean, 100% bona fide genius. And God doesn't share this stuff with us to freak us out. 
to make us kind of hide out under our church building, cozy duvets, kind of quaking in fear, waiting until Jesus returns. You won't believe how bad it's been down here, kind of thing. No, he shares his stuff with us because he is strong and he wants us to be strong. So let's take a look um, at sane spiritual warfare. How do we stand? I don't know how many of you have read Carl's book, Stand. I would hugely recommend it. He actually writes four to five, not 45, four to five chapters on opposition. And I oversee the prophetic ministry here at Central, so some of our prayer and intercession and prophecy and stuff. I've read quite a few books on spiritual warfare. And to be honest, let me let you into a secret. Some of them are just weird. Okay, they're weird. But Carl's book is really normal. It makes it very concrete and very real. Like, how am I actually tomorrow going to... Anyway, buy the book. It's great. So this um, is from Carl's book, straight up. I've pinched it. Sane Spiritual Warfare, Carl's Guide to Stand. We've got four options responding to our opposition. Head under the bed. Satan is everywhere. Ah, kind of fear response. And the truth is that Satan is real and present, but he is not everywhere. He is not in everything. And can I humbly suggest to you that if you did not get a car parking space outside the building this morning, it probably was not Satan opposing you, okay? I mean, this is a much bigger context, maybe even series that I'm not going to get into right now, but not all the bad stuff we experience is the direct work of Satan. Let's get that absolutely clear. We live in a fallen world, and as I go and, and pray with different people, and I'm always trying to ask, is this, is this satanic? Is this of the enemy? Or is this just a result of reality of being human and living in a human world? And I think that's why as a church, we need to be praying for more people to have a mature gift of discernment so that we can really know and test the difference. So head under the bed. Let's not do that. Head in the clouds. I can deal with Satan. He's mine. This is the kind of version of thinking that you're the spiritual equivalent of James Bond and you're going to take him. This is not very wise. Let's not go there. Don't play a battle that you are not called to or equipped for. Head in the clouds. The next one, head in the sand. So kind of, if I put my head here, it'll all go away in a minute and then I won't have to deal with it. But the truth is that ignoring this stuff is not going to help you either. It's really not. And so our last option is head towards Jesus. And this is our primary way of taking our stand. Head towards Jesus. Face the Father. Face the Father this morning. One of the most powerful ways to warfare against the opposition that we face personally and also corporately is to worship Jesus. Because all we're doing is we're fixing our eyes and our hearts and our intentions on the one who loves us, the one who's won the victory already, the one who is for us. That, that's what we're doing. Face the Father. But then I think the second thing that we can do that equips us to stand is that we need to know where we're sat. And for this, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to need a few volunteers. 
I have pre-picked them because we always have this bit of awkward silence at the 10.30 when nobody ever volunteers. So I hope you're all okay with that. So, actually, I didn't tell you, Diego, but I'd like you to come up. <laughs> so, Diego, would you like to come and sit up here in the middle of these three chairs over here? So, this, right now, this set of chairs is going to represent for us the throne of God. And here sat, we have Diego who is this morning for us, Father God. Let's give him a round of applause, please. Yes. Diego is actually a great dad in real life, so this felt all right to me. I hope that's okay. Great. Um, Amy is going to come and be Holy Spirit for us this morning. Round of applause, please. Wonderful. Okay. And then Eddie is going to come and um, play Jesus. Wonderful. Okay, so this is the throne room of God. This is like in scripture. Um, God is sat here, three in one, perfect peace, perfect justice, perfect righteousness. Everything is right in this place. And when, um, let me make sure that I get this right. When we become a Christian, It says that God, Ephesians 2, raises us up with Christ and seats us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And we see that again in Colossians 3. Where is Katie Backler? Katie, where are you? Okay, so Katie is down here. Katie, come here, my friend. Katie's going to represent me, you, us, the church. Katie's just received Jesus into her life. She's trusted him. She said, Lord Jesus, would you come and would you be my Lord? I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the way I've turned away from you. Um, I give my life to you. And Holy Spirit has come to live in her heart. So Katie, physically, is very present right here, down here on earth. She doesn't change. She doesn't suddenly spiritually like vacuum off somewhere else. She's still here. She's still in the context of her family, her community, doing her job, doing the washing, the ironing, the cooking, all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But spiritually, Katie has also done this. Would you like to sit on your husband's knee? <laughs> Lovely. You can just put your arms around her. No kissing, please. Okay. Katie is sat in Christ fundamentally something has changed. God says that when we believe in him and his spirit comes to live in us, we actually change position. We're sat here. And look who Katie's next to. Hello there. (laughs) She sat at the right hand of Father God. How amazing is that? She sat in the place of perfect justice at the right hand of the one who created the heavens and has all dominion and authority over this place down here. So where does Katie battle from? Where, where does Katie stand from? Where does Katie pray from? Yes, she's, she's probably sat down here doing her washing and, and looking after the kids and doing her work and going about her life with her family and her community, but she's also fundamentally up here. And so as she battles, she battles from a place of authority. Because down here, goodness, there's a lot of running for the morning. Down here is where scripture says that 
Satan has his authority. It's the dominion of the earth. That's why when Jesus is tempted, it says that Satan was able to offer him the world. I'll give you all the world and the kingdom that you want. Katie can speak over and into the opposition that she and her family and her community and her church faces because she sat in Christ at the right hand of the Father in the throne room. Thanks, guys. You can go and take a seat. Let's give them a hand. So, knowing where we're sat, what are our tactics? Satan has some tactics. Our our tactics are good. (laughs) We know where we're sat, but there's three things I want to suggest, like any good preacher this morning. Three things that we can do to stand. Stand prepared. This Ephesians passage goes on to talk about put on the full armor of God, verse 13. Carl and I have both preached on that passage before in depth, so the analogy of what it means to put on all those different elements of our armour, and you can look them up under Bound on the website if you want to find out more about that, but I think the thing is, are we standing firm? Because scripture tells us that wobbly Christians get rugby tackled, a bit like that, you get taken out. Are you standing firm? Are you standing prepared? Are the things that are labeled as armor, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, are these things more than words to you? Are you actually letting Holy Spirit build these things in you so that they're more than just words, but they're the actual like, life of God that is in you and that is affecting how you live? how you relate to people, how you like, carry your finances, how you love your friends. Are these things more than words for you? We need to learn how to apply these. And some of this as well, standing prepared, is about learning to be quick to respond to Holy Spirit's quickening in us. I know, it's definitely my experience, that if I am walking in unforgiveness of someone, or if I've been hurt by something, it's really hard to know that this is where I'm sat. Because my eyes are not on Jesus. They're down here. I'm, I'm concerned with this. And I run around in circles, letting Satan so lies into me, telling me untruth. But when I fix my eyes on Jesus, and I let him remind me, and deal with the stuff in me that I need to bring to him and allow him to breathe life over and into, suddenly I can speak from a place of authority and peace again. So how can you respond today to even what you knew before you came here that Holy Spirit was putting a finger on and saying, this, this needs to go, or this, I'd, I'd love to see how we could work together to change this, this attitude of heart, this situation. Stand prepared. Don't, don't let your sinfulness sideswipe you, I guess. Don't let it rugby tackle you out of action. It's so important that we're a people, a church even, of great humility and great character. The other thing that prepares us is God's word prepares us. 
It's indispensable. Verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And the Greek word that's used there implies a really short sword, a bit like a dagger, implying that it's to be used in close-up personal encounter. Do you know, Satan is not going to be intimidated by us standing there saying, yeah, I've, I've got a sword. I really have. I've got one somewhere. If we've actually got it in our hand and we're ready for the close-up personal encounter, we actually have to speak. It's not good enough to just stand there and say, I've got, I've got a sword, yeah, I've got this one nailed. We need to be prepared. Do you know your scripture? Are you, are you actually, are we a people who are reading, who are in the rhythm and the pattern of the everyday? We are bathing ourselves in the word of God, the logos, the scripture. But we are, we also a people who are prepared to sit and to listen to the rhema word of God, the now. What would Holy Spirit say to you now? What word would he put you into your hand so that you could stand prepared? I've actually taken to asking God two questions every week. Lord, what is your wisdom for my week? And what is your wisdom for my church this week? Because I recognize that God is going to give truth to me so that I can stand equipped for what might happen that week. And I want to know it before it happens so that I can be prepared. Stand prepared. Secondly, stand praying. Verse 18, pray in the spirit, from the Ephesians passage again, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So get praying. Did you know you can actually pray the word of God, that this is an offensive weapon, that you can do things like pray, Father, you have said, chapter one of Ephesians, I am holy and blameless in your sight. And so this lie that I hear, that I am unworthy, that I am dirty, that I am nothing, I refute that because in your word, in your scripture, you tell me I am holy and blameless in your sight. Father, you have said, Jesus, you have promised that I can live as a child of light in this world. Holy Spirit, I invite you to make me strong so that I can take my stand, as your word says that I can be. And if we know the word, we can pray it. And so if it's okay, I wanted to suggest that you had a little bit of homework this week. Don't know how we feel about that. Um, Just it might be helpful to look up two or three Bible passages about your identity. So even just to look back on your notes from week one when Aaron brought that to us. Who does God say you are? Two or three Bible passages about your identity. And then just have a go at praying them out in that way. Father, you have said, I am a child of God. Jesus, you have promised, my sheep hear my voice, John 10. Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak because these two things are the truth that I am believing you've spoken. Stand praying. And then lastly, stand together. Verse 18, keep on praying for God's people, verse 18, and verse 12, our struggle. This isn't my struggle or your struggle. This is our struggle. This is a corporate thing. We're, we're in this together. We don't have to do this on our own. So do you have a friend who keeps getting rugby tackled at the minute? Then stand next to them and hold them up. We're here for each other. Pray for each other. Resist 
the devil together. Philippians 1.27 says, Stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And so, as I close, I wonder I might just ask these questions. Where have you been undermined, accused, or stolen from? And for you, it's been a bit like a light bulb going on. You know that that's what's been happening. Because I think into that, God is incredibly gracious and incredibly good. And Holy Spirit comes and breathes truth into us, reminds us, actually brings us revelation that those are lies because his truth is so much bigger and better and gooder. It's not even a word, but you get what I mean. (laughs) So what would Father God give back to you this morning? What truth would he speak? What peace would he give to you? What confidence would he assure you of because you know where you're sat and where you can speak from? What future plans would he remind you of that maybe you've thought, I'm no longer qualified for that. My past is not going to happen. Actually, what's he reminding you of this morning that he's not forgotten about? So that's, that's the first response for all of us. But then the second, I just wondered that maybe for some of you as I've been talking about this, it's like a real quickening in your heart. And I think for a few people... God gives a specific ministry of corporate intercession too, because in our body, he will call certain people to stand for the church. And so in prayer, to stand against the disruption and the distortion that Satan brings. And so if that's you, I would love you just to come and have a chat with me because we're beginning to think as a church how we might begin to do that better together. So more of a call to corporate intercession, praying for and standing for the church and the move of God in this nation. So why don't we stand together and Amy and the band are going to come and lead us and we're going to respond to whatever it is that God was saying. If it wasn't anything I said, that's completely fine. Why don't we stand together and I'll just pray for us. Father God, you have said that we are to stand, we are to be a standing people. And and right now, we agree with you that we want to stand and we ask for your equipping. And we ask for your sending and we ask for your strengthening. We ask that in every place where Satan has sought to undermine, to accuse, and to steal from us your words, your intentions, your plans, your purposes, your hope, your vision. We ask in every one of those places that you would come, Father God, and Holy Spirit, you would speak, you would breathe your life and your peace afresh this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.